Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Loki and Mobius from the Disney Plus series, Loki. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. This week, we have something untraditional. Some plugs at the top. Yeah. Doing something new. It's pretty exciting. So the first thing we have to plug that we want to mention is we were guests on another podcast, which was a lot of fun. It was delightful. That's never happened for us before. Clara Cook from the Tales We Tell podcast invited us on for an episode, and we were thrilled to go. And we talked quite a bit about what we've learned doing this podcast, but just about fandom in general. So that came out probably a little over a month ago now at the time that we're releasing this episode, but it should still be there because it's the internet. Things are things yeah, are up. <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't gone away. So Google that. If you want to scroll back, we have tweeted it and tumbled it and whatever, but also Google exists. So yes, the tales we tell is the name of the podcast. And the whole podcast is a lot of fun. So check it out. Get into it. And thanks again it's for delightful. having us, Clara. And while we're mentioning podcasts, we also thought it might be a good time for us to remind you or tell people who didn't know for the first time that this is not our only podcast. We now have a second podcast called The Oscars Got It Wrong, where we discuss from a random year all of the Best Picture nominees from the Oscars and determine whether or not the Oscars got it wrong. It's really all there in the title. Yes. So if you somehow miss our voices in between these episodes now... You can listen yeah, to that. If that's possible. <laughs> if you just can't get enough of the sound of us talking, we'd have a second podcast and we would love you all to join us over there. It's a lot of fun. We're exploring the Oscars and learning so many things we didn't know about movies we hadn't seen. Indeed. But Maddie, what are we talking about on this episode of this podcast? Well, as I mentioned at the top, we're talking about Loki and Mobius from the Disney Plus series Loki. Obviously, Loki exists in many other films of the MCU, but Mobius is a new character to the series. So we'll be talking a little bit about Loki and his sexuality in canon, but also about the ship between the two of them. So who are Loki and Mobius? Well, Loki is a god. He's mm -hmm. an Asgardian Norse god. And Mobius is a time cop. That's kind of their deals. So we've both seen all of the episodes we'll be talking about because it is just a six episode season one of Loki. It was not that demanding. So I guess the thing to start with is Loki mm -hmm. generally and his sexuality and how people have thought of that over the course of the MCU, but also kind of over the course of Loki's existence as a Norse god figure. Yeah. His sexuality has been for pretty much all time, a matter of conversation because he is a sort of shape-shifting, fluid spirit creature. Was your use of the phrase for all time a Loki series joke? <laughs> it was not, unless it was, you know, subliminal. Okay. For all time, always. <laughs> yes. I wasn't thinking of it. Yeah, so we thought in the conversation of like, okay, why do people ship Loki and Mobius? The place to start is Loki's now canonical bisexuality. Mm -hmm. So in the Loki series, Loki is having a conversation with this other character in the show, Sylvie, who is a variant of Loki. So she yep. is Loki. She is Loki, but if Loki were a woman. Yes. And she says to our Loki, Tom Hiddleston Loki, what about you? You're a prince. Must have been some would-be princesses or perhaps another prince. And Loki says, a bit of both. I suspect the same as you, but nothing ever... Real. That's what Sylvie does. <laughs> so that is the full content of Loki's bisexuality within Loki. <laughs> he says it. Correct. He says it. It's canon. It's all there on screen. But then he goes on to have kind of romantic relationship with Sylvie, the variant of himself <laughs> over the course of the show. Yes. But okay. So we have that. Why are people shipping him? with Mobius? What is our evidence within the series? Well, I think there are probably multiple things going on. Obviously, people had been promised queer canon Loki mm -hmm. even before this show had come out. So people were 
ready for it. And then also Loki and Mobius are presented as another set of sort of bickery white guys with a lot of chemistry on screen. (laughs) And so it's just happened as it always happens. So to go through the sort of arc of their characters and the moments that people most ship, they kind of don't get along at first. It's not really like an enemies sort of situation because Loki is prickly as Loki is always prickly and he has been taken to this place that he didn't even know existed the TVA and he's outside of time he's learning a lot of new things he's a prisoner (laughs) of this place he's not having a great time but Mobius is there and he's kind of like a Loki scholar because he's a cop and he's working on a case about this other Loki variant so he knows pretty much everything there is to know about Loki and so there's a little bit of a like it's kind of cool to be meeting you. Like I've heard so much about you and now here you are kind of moments. So yeah, there is bickering, but also some interesting connection over the course of the first episode. But it's not until, well, actually, first talk about the the Pompeii scene because I'm delighted by that. Oh yeah. So as I was going through and rewatching Loki, trying to get a sense of their dynamic, you know, first being like, okay, is it a little bit enemies to lovers? And, And maybe it's not quite that. But Loki is also as as they're going through the series, trying to get Mobius to loosen up. He's a very buttoned down bureaucrat. He dreams of owning a jet ski, but he'll probably (laughs) never do it because, you know, that's just, that's a little too zany for Mobius. (laughs) And so there's a scene in the show where they're trying to figure out where this other Loki is because that Loki has been causing problems. And to prove a point, they go back to Pompeii right before Mount Vesuvius erupts to show that like if we create disturbances here will it have an impact on the timeline and no and so mobius wants loki to do like quiet minor things to disrupt the timeline like make bird noises <laughs> making bird calls is hilarious <laughs> and loki's just running wild he's going he's yelling at everyone he's these throwing lettuce and releasing goats and i had this thought of like maybe this is their dynamic is loki mobius's manic pixie dream girl <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. We have a little bit of that dynamic. I mean, um, Loki has more internal life than your average Manic yes. Pixie. Well, it's because the, the show is about the Manic Pixie Dream yeah. Girl. But yeah, I loved that as a comparison because that is really funny that he's like, loosen up, Mobius. Let's, <laughs> yeah. We're here to have a good time. Don't be such a sad sack. Yeah. But a bunch of stuff happens where they find the variant of him. It is this female version of him that we mentioned earlier. Sylvie, the female version, and Loki end up sort of escaping together. They spend a fair amount of time on screen away from Mobius. And then finally, when they are found again, and Mobius and Loki come together, Mobius is really pissed (laughs) that Loki has gone off with Sylvie in a funny way. He's more upset than you would imagine, given the initial dynamic of, I've arrested this guy, he's kind of a curiosity to me. I know he tricks people as part of his right. nature. Yes. He's really hurt that Loki left with Sylvie. <laughs> yeah. He says to him, you're just kind of an asshole and a bad friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, were we friends? And then later he says, yeah, I guess you don't do partners unless, of course, it benefits you and you intend to betray them at some point. He's really petulant. <laughs> he is. And then he gets even more so when he realizes that Loki really cares about Sylvie, which yeah. is like a new thing for Loki. And he starts to freak out about Loki having feelings for Sylvie. He's talking about how he ran off and and now he cares about this girl because he has some sick, twisted, romantic relationship with her. And he says, this could break reality. It's breaking my reality right now. What an incredible seismic narcissist. You fell for yourself. Yes. And he also keeps dismissively calling Sylvie Loki's girlfriend. He's like, oh, your girlfriend? Yeah. He says, how am I supposed to believe your terrorist girlfriend? And Loki's like, she's not my girlfriend. (laughs) Whatever you want to call her, your female self that you have some kind of demented crush on. Yeah, it's it's really intense. It's it's really intense <laughs> if they're not falling in love. Is the <laughs> yeah. issue. But eventually Mobius comes around to the fact that, oh, Loki and Sylvie know that what's really going on here is bad business because, spoiler alert, the oppressive bureaucracy is not on the up and up. What a shock. <laughs> And so when Loki's trying to get Mobius on board with a plan to take down the TVA, Mobius says, you expect me to trust the word of two Lokis? And Loki says, how about the word of a friend? (laughs) Delightful. Echoes of Lord of the Rings. And then the two of them do this 
team up. We're going to go off and fix this thing. But before they're able to take down the bureaucracy, Mobius gets what they call pruned in the show. So mm-hmm. he basically gets incinerated. I don't like Yeah, they touch you with the glowing end of a stick and you sort of like turn into a bunch of light and disappear. So the implication is that you're getting killed. Mm -hmm. And Loki has tears in his eyes when Mobius gets pruned. He definitely does. It's an emotional reaction. But then luckily, it turns out getting pruned doesn't mean getting killed. It just means getting sent to this place at the end of time where they send all the stuff that they prune from the timelines. Mm -hmm. So they do end up reuniting in kind of a weird moment (laughs) yeah it's a very difficult place to survive there's like a cloud monster that eats everything that gets sent in Mm -hmm. so sylvia's pruned herself loki is there he got pruned mobius is there but we don't know that yet mobius finds sylvie picks her up in a car Mm -hmm. somehow and then when sylvie and mobius find our loki loki doesn't like super acknowledge Mobius. Yeah, it sort of plays out in an interesting way where she's gotten out of the car Mm -hmm. so he can see her, but he can't see Mobius. So he's like running across a field like, oh my God, Sylvie's here. And they have their big reunion moment. And then Mobius also gets out of the car. And I think Loki literally just goes, Mobius. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, okay, cool. Happy to see you too, I guess. Yes. And so then they regroup and they're planning how they're going to get past the cloud monster. And Mobius is hanging out with the other other Lokis that are... There's a bunch of Loki variants <laughs> yeah. in this place at the end of the world. And Loki is out with Sylvie on the grass. And at one point, Sylvie says to Loki about Mobius, he cares about you. And Loki, well, he sort of awkwardly is like, it's cold out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how to process that emotionally. I'm just going to, to move on. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a fascinating moment. And then as they sort of break apart to go off to each do their own parts of the mission that is going to hopefully fix things, Sylvie and Loki break off from Mobius because Mobius is going to go back to the TVA. Mobius goes for like a goodbye handshake Mm -hmm. (laughs) with Loki and Loki grabs him for a hug and says, thank you, my friend. And Mobius looks over at Sylvie and whispers to her, you're my favorite. (laughs) Sure she is, buddy. And then sort of the last beat is at the end of the show. Basically, they fucked up the timeline is what happens at the end of Loki. (laughs) So Loki goes back to the TVA where Mobius works. And Mobius doesn't know who he is because he's entered a different timeline, presumably. They don't explain why this has happened, but he runs over to Mobius and he's like, oh my god, we fucked everything up. We killed the guy and everything's messed up now. And like, blah, 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 blah. And Mobius is like, slow down. Yeah. Do you work here? Who, <laughs> Who are, are you? you? Are you a... And then it's yeah. like, oh no, he doesn't know me anymore. That sad. kind of moment. It is sad. Okay, so that's the arc of them in season one, at least. Yes. There is going to be a season two of Loki, who knows when? I think next summer. Okay, great. And potentially more will happen with them. Who's to say? Uh, no one knows what it's going to be. Well, pr- I think the writers should know something at this point, but maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for us to say. We don't know what's going yes. on with Kang. Nope. We know we like Jonathan Majors. That's we as much do as we know. know. That. I also like Owen Wilson. Sure. You like Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a problem with him. I did tell you before, though, I found on rewatch that the parts that didn't have Owen Wilson were like dragging a little bit for me. <laughs> I was like, when when is Owen Wilson coming yeah, back? That's that's all wrapped up in the Sylvie of it all, too. Yeah, I will talk a little bit more about the Sylvie thing coming up because it's fascinating. So should we get into some quotes from our various? Yeah, we only have quotes from Tom Hiddleston. I didn't find Owen Wilson talking about this at all. Every quote from him was like, Marvel's really something, huh? Like he didn't know anything about it before he joined up. So uh, yeah, here's Tom Hiddleston talking about Loki's queer identity, Mm -hmm. not anything to do with Mobius. So he said, I've always been aware of it. I see it as my responsibility as somebody who's able to portray this character at this time that I honor the aspects of the character which are there in canon. It was important to... Kate Heron, the director of the series, and important to Michael Waldron, the head writer. The whole point of Loki is that Loki is a trickster and crosses boundaries and can represent many different shapes. I was really pleased that we got to touch on that in this series. And I do believe from the context of when I heard this, that end part, he's talking about Loki in the show, but also just Loki as a Norse god when he starts to talk about the whole point of Loki Mm -hmm. is he's a trickster. Yes. 
Getting a little bit more into the Loki-Mobius dynamic, we do have a couple of things from Tom Hiddleston. The first is, I think, a moment we didn't mention. Yeah, but in- a, me- a moment that I love yes. from the first episode. It's interesting because, as we mentioned, part of the dynamic is Loki being like, I don't want to be here. I don't like you. I don't like any of this. And Mobius just sort of being like, you're interesting. This is fun. And so (laughs) there's a part where Loki's being his normal prickly self and he tends to talk in metaphors. And so Mobius is like, strong metaphor guy. Like, I like it. It makes you seem smart. And Loki says, I am smart. And Mobius goes, I know. (laughs) It really throws Loki off. He's like, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, like nobody ever acknowledged I was smart before. I don't know what to do with this. So Tom Hiddleston about that moment says, it's really destabilizing for Loki because no one's ever said that. And Loki finds himself in the presence of someone who's confronting him with who he is or who he might be, seemingly without judgment, without any particular take or castigation or punishment. And that's so unusual for Loki. I think he's used to people punishing him and condemning him and judging him. And here is this very even-tempered man agreeing with him, and it's really new. It's a really new feeling for Loki. It challenges Loki's first instinct to be resistant. Loki's so provocative. He's so constantly resistant. And Mobius is there saying, listen, there's nothing to resist. I'm here. I know. And I love that about the dynamic. Me too, Tom. It's a fun dynamic. And then we also have a quote from him just talking, generally, what do you like about the relationship between Loki and Mobius? Mm -hmm. So he says, I love Loki and Mobius' friendship. It was something that was really exciting to me as I approached the project and was developing the story. I find it very touching. And I think everybody else in Loki's life up till that point has been emotionally engaged in this resistance that Loki has. And Mobius has a detachment, which is to say that I see who you are and I don't judge you. And in a way, I understand and I have compassion. And they have a lot to learn from each other. And in that moment, Loki has kind of a moment of real vulnerability at the end of episode one. And Mobius is able to step up to that moment and meet him there. So somehow Loki and Mobius's friendship evolves from the fact that they learn a lot from each other. And I think it's really real. I think there's a lot of love and care and affection there. It's very sincere and presents something new for Loki. I don't think he's ever had a friend before. So yeah, I really loved it. Nice. Yeah, nice. They have a very pleasant, lovely relationship. Where it gets complicated is what we were getting to shortly. The Sylvia of it all. Yes. So that's what we have from Tom Hiddleston. We have a little bit more from the writers and directors. So first, we're going to dive into Kate Heron, who, as you said, is the director of the series. I guess after the moment in the episode where Loki reveals he's bisexual, she tweeted, From the moment I joined the show Loki, it was very important to me and my goal to acknowledge Loki was bisexual. It is a part of who he is and who I am, too. I know this is a small step, but I'm happy and heart is so full to say that this is now canon in the MCU. Lovely. Yeah. Glad that people are seeing some representation. We're really happy about it. She also said in an interview that when they were planning this moment, she wanted to make sure, quote, we weren't just wedging something in. I I mean, I think you can have your own arguments about whether or not it feels like it was just wedged into the show or not. Yeah. But I think it is interesting before, yeah, we get into that to acknowledge, right, we do have a creator as well who is a queer person, which is not always the case as we're talking through the many things we've covered. (laughs) And then the other quote that we have from Kate is about what it means for Loki to be bisexual in the show. And I guess a little bit about how they're going to portray it. And she said, and this was about halfway through season one so probably right after the reveal as well she was asked if the show was going to continue to look at what it means for loki to be bisexual yeah i'm trying to think how to answer your question she said i would say in our story this is how we acknowledge it but i hope that that paves the way for deeper exploration yes so basically like you're probably not going to see much more of it in this season (laughs) yeah But maybe season two, fingers crossed, knock on wood. We don't know. She didn't know. No, and she's not going to be involved with season two, so she probably still doesn't know. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think everyone acknowledges we all like to see more bisexual representation on screen. It's nice to get canon acknowledgement. It's nice to have the character not just be queer coded, but explicitly say, yeah, Men and women, both, totally, great. And you're like, cool, love it. We got to talk about Sylvie. <laughs> so yeah, we we didn't really talk about that. It is a major arc of the show. So explain to me a little bit of the dynamic of Loki and Sylvie. So as we said a little bit, Sylvie is what they call a variant of Loki. So we're, we're in the multiverse. There are infinite 
Lokis across space and time. And mm-hmm. this particular variant has been causing problems for the the TVA, which is the bureaucracy that Owen Wilson works for. And Owen Wilson has Loki helping him find Sylvie. We don't know that she's a female variant at first. And then they had that episode where they're apart from Owen Wilson and kind of opening up to each other about the difficulties they've had in their lives. Yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. As we mentioned, Loki comes back and Mobius is like, what, your girlfriend? Gross. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're sort of bonding. It starts with like, a, I can't trust you because you're a Loki and I can't trust you because you're a Loki. And like, there's a lot of that, yeah. you know understanding of their own natures but then they do end up kind of bonding in the time that they're apart together and apart together the time and the time that they're together they're together apart, apart from, from mobius mobius and they have like a you know near-death experience basically and are bonded to each other before they get rescued slash arrested by the tva so it's interesting because these shows got released week by week, even though they're a streaming show. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like ongoing debate about what is going to be the nature of this relationship between these characters. They're kind of the same person, right? Like they have different experiences and one of them is a woman. Yes. <laughs> but they're kind of the same person. So the way that people have read that definitely varied. So there were questions of like, is this going to be romantic? Is this going to be platonic? Are they friends? Are they brother, sister? Are they in love? What's going on with them? Mm -hmm. So even in show, when we see Mobius being like, gross, you have feelings for her? That's nasty. Loki's mainly going like, she's not my girlfriend. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing's happening. And so it was like left up to interpretation until quite late in the show. Yes. And obviously that's also wrapped up in Loki being like, Mobius, I need you to listen to me. This whole thing is corrupt. We got to get out of here. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Once they reconnect in the prune world, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Let's call it the prune world. In prune world. <laughs> we can call it the end of time, I guess. Sure. That, that place they all go when they're pruned, right? Loki has met yeah. a bunch of other Lokis. So he's met a child Loki, an old man Loki, a black Loki, an alligator An Loki. alligator Loki. <laughs> so many Lokis. And he and Sylvie go off together to find the person at the end of time. He who remains, Jonathan Mayers. Yes. He's great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the scene of them on the grass together outside, even though it has that moment where Sylvie tells Loki that he really, Mobius really cares about him is like a little romantic they're both huddled under a blanket he does like make a blanket to put around the two of them yeah you know yeah and then once they get to the the land at the end of time or the castle at the end of time they kiss yeah but even that is kind of a strange not straightforward moment there's a lot going on in it because they've gotten to a place at the end where they had planned to just come here and kill whoever was responsible yeah. for making this happen. But then that guy starts to talk to them and explain what has gone on and basically tell them, like, if you kill me, it will get way worse. Like, here are your options. You can take over my job and do exactly what I do, which you hate, or you can kill me and it's all going to happen again because the infinite versions of me that made this happen in the first place are all going to reemerge and have the same war that we had before. And, and it's, it's going to be, be a horrible. lot of suffering in the interim. Yes. And so Loki is listening to this and thinking, like, maybe we should think about this for a minute. I mean, let's, it's worth a conversation, <laughs> at least. And Sylvie thinks that he has just returned to his original desire to be in charge, which is was usually Loki's, you yeah. know, driver. He's got a glorious and purpose. she also is sort of like blinded by her own glorious purpose, which is just to kill this guy. So they come to a disagreement. He's like, can't we talk about it? She's like, no, we can't talk about it. We're going to kill this guy. And so she kisses him and sends him back to the TVA. And the kiss is kind of like a goodbye. Yes. So you're like, I guess if you were reading this as platonic, which probably lots of people were, you're sort of like, interesting. Unusual. (laughs) Unusual. What's with the kiss going on here? But the, so I guess let's just dive in. I'll get a peek at what the creators were thinking all along in this process of making these to have a what becomes basically canonically romantic story. Yes. So starting again with Kate Heron, the director. And I believe this quote is mm-hmm. just from that first episode when they the two it's just like Loki and Sylvie together and they're becoming friends. They're having a lot of conversations about each other and what their pasts were and getting to know each other. So it was sort of like, what is the point of this? Where are we yes. where are we headed with these two? 
So Kate Aaron says, for me, it was just about it becoming a character study. Not necessarily romantic, but Loki doesn't have many friends, you know? He builds this friendship with Mobius across the second episode. It was really about crafting out characters that by the time they get to the city at the end of the show, they're going to work as a team. And they have to have gone on a journey, and maybe they'll be friends, we don't know. But at least they are at a point where, okay, I've got your back in this moment. Interesting. So I guess we don't really know... To be fair, she could have been saying it that way because she didn't want to give away any potential spoilers about what was going to happen later in the show. So yes. it's hard to say if this is like, you know, actually how Kate Heron was feeling in the moment or if she was like, I can't really talk about what's going to happen later. So think of them as friends for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least that's where she was at that point, which I think was like episode three of the series. Meanwhile, Michael Waldron, the head writer of the show, potentially earlier on was pretty explicit in his quotes that they had they planned for Loki to quote fall in love with Sylvie so he said that was one of the cruxes of my pitch for the show that there was going to be a love story we went back and forth for a little bit like do we really want to have this guy fall in love with another version of himself is that too crazy (laughs) but in a series that to me is ultimately about self-love self-reflection and forgiving yourself it just felt right that that would be Loki's first real love story. Okay. Interesting. How do you feel about it? <laughs> the love story between Loki and Loki. I mean, I don't I don't love it. Maybe we should do this last Kate Heron quote and then we'll yeah. get into our feelings. So we have a, another quote from Kate Heron later in the, in the release of the show. Likely after we had all seen the moment in the sixth episode. Yes. And she says, now, who's a better match for Loki than himself? The whole show is about identity. It's about him and he is on a very different path and he is on a different journey. He sees things in Sylvie that he is like, oh, I've been there. I know what you feel. But she's like, well, I don't feel that way. And I think that was the kind of fun thing about it. She is him, but she's not him. They've had such different life experiences. So just from an identity perspective, it was interesting to dig into that. And I guess I don't disagree with her that it is an interesting question of what makes a person a person. Yeah, I don't think we're opposed to him having, you know, any kind of relationship with his self. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, the kiss, the kiss, the kiss, the kiss. The kiss, the kiss, the kiss. The problem, right, is... They establish that Loki is bi mm-hmm. and then find like the one way for him to not have to kiss or be romantically involved with a man. Because all of the other versions of Loki we see. Yeah. Well, I guess if you accept the premise that he had to fall in love with a version of himself That's true. <laughs> in this season, which I don't know that I necessarily no, acknowledge but, that either. But, but given that, given this exploration yeah. of himself and if he were to fall in love with himself... Why is it the one female version of him in a multiverse of Lokis? I'm assuming the alligator is also a male. I don't know that for sure. Oh, it could be female alligator Loki. That's true. People might have had even more of a problem if he fell in love with the alligator version of himself, though. I mean, that'd be pretty funny, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just sort of... It is a show about Loki, like, learning to accept and love himself, which is great. great. We all need that. Support it. I guess a good way to be like, oh, there is inherent value in Loki. Loki can be good is to see another version of Loki outside of yourself that Mm -hmm. you appreciate and like and see great qualities in. And then you're like, oh, I might have those same qualities myself. This is great. Lokis are good. Right. (laughs) You're like, cool. I understand that as a mechanism. Sure. But like, why the kissing? That's the problem. Doesn't it cheapen that relationship? (laughs) <laughs> my favorite question <laughs> I think so yeah. I think it cheapens the relationship why'd you have to introduce kissing to it or have him also kiss Richard E. Grant I would have loved him to kiss Richard E. Grant I think we all would have been on board with that Yeah. what if he decided that he'd gone from hating himself to loving himself so much that he was kissing all the Lokis I mean <laughs> he just it's like this is what I do now. I love Lokis. <laughs> I love me. Come here, you. I mean, me. That I might have been on board with. That sounds fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, really, I guess what it is is it's too literal. Like, if it's supposed to just be a metaphor about self love and learning to love yourself, it's too literal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, it's, yeah, we would have gotten it without that. I don't think you need that part. Yes. 
And within the greater conversation about queer bait in the MCU, it's it's not great that they threaded the needle so that, yes, he's fallen in love with himself, but luckily there's a girl version of himself, because God forbid. Yes. <laughs> God forbid that the canonically queer Loki <laughs> have fall to in fall love. in love with a guy version of himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not great. Well, Sylvie. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see if they bring her back for season two. It didn't feel like they had to, but it also, you know, nothing's off the I, table. I really don't know, because I think we have to see what happens with Kang in the Ant-Man movie to even know what's going to be going on. Yeah. Well, we'll see if, you know, how it all comes together a year from now yeah. or whenever. It's It'll happen. We'll do It'll a part. Happen. I mean, we're going to probably keep coming back to the MCU. We'll, yeah, we'll this, do a check This in. MCU series will never end. And one of these times, one of these times we're going to come back for an MCU revisit and it's going to be because they became canonically queer in like a cool way maybe hopefully we'll find out (laughs) okay we also have a not great queer (laughs) babe style quote from michael waldron our showrunner who when they were asking him about like you know i think this was before the show came out so they're like tee up some of the characters and the relationships we're gonna care about on the show and he said mobius and loki that's one of the love stories you might see in loki for sure Although if you print that, knowing our fans, they're going to take it the wrong way. What does that mean, Michael? What's the right way to take it? And what's the wrong way? Might see for sure. A love story you might see for sure? You can't might see something for sure. Make up your mind, Michael. But also, what do you mean by love story? He's like, I didn't mean love story. I meant platonic love story. Yeah. That's not what people mean when they say love story. It's really not how people usually use that phrase i mean normally if you were a person trying to not queer bait you might say like mobius and loki's friendship that's gonna be one of the great relationships from the show (laughs) yeah instead of leaning on love story but hey that's just me knowing our fans come on michael we also have a quote from head guy of it all kevin feige big guy the The head honcho the big cheese (laughs) who said that loki and mobius will be one of the most popular pairings we've ever had at Marvel. Pairings is maybe a little bit of a questionable word. I think it's less than Michael Waldron's quote. Like, for sure. (laughs) And this was when he was like teeing up, you know, upcoming shows and stuff that was going to be happening later on in the MCU. And it was him being like, you're going to love Loki and Mobius together. And it's like, yeah, I do like them together. That's true. Pairings is, yeah, an interesting. He didn't say love story, though. No. He's walking in between the lines. I think he's, he's doing fine. a better job. <laughs> yeah. <Like> Kevin is. <laughs> so that's Loki and Mobius within mm-hmm. the canon of the show. Yes, yes, yes. What about the fanon of the show? Let's talk about AO3. I love an AO3 revisit. Mm-hmm. So luckily, when we are recording this, the new AO3 ship stats for 2022 have just recently been released. So we have up-to-the-minute information about these two. It is exciting. Don't we all wait around by our computers for them to be released every year? I know. I was jazzed when I saw it come through. I was like, ooh, are FinPost still going to be on the top 100 of all time? No. Spoiler alert, they're not. We were right in our prediction that there are now no black characters on the top 100 of all time. It's fucked up. Okay, that's a different discussion for a different <laughs> thing. Okay, so right now mm-hmm. on the 2022 AO3 ship stats, Loki and Mobius, number 97. Not ranked on the mm-hmm. all-time list, that's for 2022. Yeah, mm-hmm. or I guess mid-21 to tw- mid-22, which I think is their range for yes. how they do this. There are about 8,000-ish sh- fix in the loki show tag and about three thousand of them are loki slash mobius fix yeah so it's definitely the the main ship of the show good stuff good stuff so we as we always do we read the most kudos fic between the two of them mm-hmm. it was called compliments that's suspicious by i just like reading cute fix okay great name <laughs> <laughs> so tell me the the like overall vibe of the Vic. Yeah, so it's actually kind of similar to the actual show where Mobius is nice to Loki and he's like, "What? <laughs> Why are you being nice to me? <laughs> huh? 
This makes me feel funny <laughs> all kinds of ways. And yeah. they go through and they find the other Loki. Interestingly enough, this fic was released, I think, after just the first episode. So they were imagining the entire how things were going to go down in the show. So the other Loki is also a male Loki. They did not predict Sylvie. Who could have predicted it? Yeah. And so when they track down the other Loki, our Loki gets hurt. Hmm. Mobius takes him back to his room apartment i don't really know how people yeah. live in the tv it's a little unclear <laughs> and unclear. like patches him up and loki's like why didn't why didn't what are you doing and you know they're in love i don't know what else yeah no that's totally what happens oh by the end loki does finally have to like confront mobius and say why why are you being nice to me like what do you want from me <laughs> Why is this happening? And Mobius is like, oh, if you don't want me to be nice to you, I can stop. Sorry, I just, I like you. And that's why I'm being nice to you. And Loki's like, wait, you like me? I like you. And they have that kind of a a moment. It was interesting to read because obviously it diverges greatly from the canon because of what it was written. Um, It leans into the fact that Loki is actually a frost giant, Mm -hmm. which is something that is not explored a ton in MCU stuff. So that was kind of interesting. The premise is Odin's magic is what helps him to look humanoid and not like a frost giant. And so magic doesn't work in the TVA. That's a thing that has been explained in the show. And so Odin's magic probably starts to wear off a little bit. And Loki is starting to like show through as a frost giant, which was like, I thought that was kind of interesting because I have not seen that before. So yeah, I mean, it was just like, Mobius is nice to Loki and Loki doesn't know how to handle it, which is true to canon. Yeah, it's kind of what the show is like. Great job. <laughs> I just like reading cute fix. You got the whole dynamic. Yeah, I, I mean, that is like the, the most notable thing about at least the early days of the Loki-Mobius relationship because Loki's there being like, I'm prickly. I don't have friends. And Mobius is like, I think you're cool. And Loki's like, what? Cool? Me? <laughs> I mean, I think it's even in the first episode that he ends up acknowledging to Mobius that he just hurts people because he's like a weak, sad, lonely person who needs to hurt people so that other people will think that he's scary. And you're like, wow, we're really sharing. Yeah. I don't enjoy Um, hurting people. That's what he says. Oh, he doesn't enjoy it. It is interesting how much of an effect it has when Mobius shows him his like future that he was supposed to live from the timeline and he sees his, his that he was responsible for his mother's death and he sees his death and it's like it really fucks him up <laughs> well i mean <laughs> well he is truly sad about his mom's death and like the actual mm-hmm. timeline so that checks yeah. out but i think it does suck to be like i thought i was the main character and it's like no hon <laughs> <laughs> no you really weren't but he's the main character in the show he is. That's new. Now that he's outside of time. Yeah. So that's the fanfic. Now, we did say in our last episode that we would devote some of this episode to talking about queer baiting in the MCU generally, mm-hmm. more broadly. And also, like, have they made any progress, perhaps? Because we've been talking about queer baiting in the MCU for quite some time at this point. Indeed. So I think it's important first to say that the discussion of queer baiting in the MCU cannot be divorced from the discussion of queer baiting in Disney broadly. Yes. As much as no piece of MCU fiction exists independent of the rest of the MCU, nothing that Disney is doing in the MCU exists independent of Disney. So Mm -hmm. I think some of the, you know, discourse around what Disney's doing and the feelings around what Disney's doing is made more intense by the fact that like oh yeah disney's queer baiting across many of their properties their platforms <laughs> and disney has it's basically a meme at this point but disney has become known for in multiple of their properties announcing that they're going to have a quote like first gay character yes <laughs> in a new thing and they've done this over and over and it's like guys get excited this movie's coming out it's gonna have our first on-screen gay character and you're like okay and then you watch it it's like nothing yeah (laughs) they're almost exclusively blink and you miss it type scenes yes so in terms of history of queer bending the mcu obviously we've talked about steve and bucky 
extensively. If you haven't heard that episode, we had a great time. We did. We've talked about Sam and Bucky. Uh huh. One pairing we haven't talked about, which maybe we should if we want to get more into Femslash. Yeah, I think we mentioned them in yeah. our Femslash episode, but what if we did an episode entirely about them? Let us know I, I if you're interested in that. that. It's Captain Marvel and Maria Rambo from mm-hmm. the first Captain Marvel movie. Love them. So that's what came to mind for us of the big markers the main, of queer like, baby. queer baby ships. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also wanted to talk a little bit about like, okay, so what has actual queer representation in the MCU look like? Our first gay character in the oh MCU. My God. Another classic Disney first gay character. Was the character that Joe Russo played in the support group in Avengers Endgame where he just mentioned he went on a date with a guy and, you know. For the first time after his dead husband died i think yeah his his dead husband died yeah so we were like okay not great guys yeah it was met with a resounding was that it kind of reaction Mm -hmm. so then they sort of went along for a little while promising it's happening guys eventually there's gonna be something we're gonna have queer representation eventually just keep watching and so we got to thor ragnarok directed by taika watiti who I mean, at this point in his career, has developed a bit of a reputation for making queer media. Mm -hmm. And there was talk about Valkyrie, who in the comics is canonically bisexual, who is going to be in this film. And there was a lot of like, maybe it'll happen. Maybe we'll see some stuff on screen that'll be real gay and everyone will have a good time. (laughs) So that didn't really happen with Thor Ragnarok. But then we found out that they had shot what was supposed to be a canonically queer scene for the film that ended up getting cut. And it's interesting to hear Taika describe why this film got cut. So the, the, the scene, scene got was... Cut. Right. They didn't cut the film. Let's <laughs> cut the film entirely because <laughs> this one work. scene is terrible. <laughs> Scrap the whole thing. Um, yeah. So he said the scene showed a woman leaving Valkyrie's apartment, like, you know, in, presumably in the morning after they had had a one night stand or whatever but he said that it was too vague he said it ended up on the cutting room floor because people were just so confused he said it should have been more explicit and that quote we should have just had her come out and kiss her (laughs) and you're like yeah if people were confused about what the scene was that probably would have helped but nonetheless it did not end up in the film so we kept moving along and then we get to the eternals and Mm -hmm. this is honest to goodness queer canon so yeah tons of characters in the eternals one of the characters so many characters <laughs> fastos played by brian tyree henry yep and the movie's very complicated but basically the eternals had been on earth for thousands upon thousands of years eventually they stop doing what they're supposed to be doing and go off and just sort of live their lives in the present fastos has a husband very explicitly Mm -hmm. and they have a child together and they have a discussion about how they're going to move forward they kiss like none of the arguments we've heard about people being like but are they really gay yeah i was i was saying to you earlier it it checks all the boxes of when people are like but is it actually canon are they married do they kiss (laughs) you're like yeah yeah somebody somewhere was like we want you to be sure yes this is a gay couple so that's canon, it's but just canon. even that is just a, a short scene in a much larger movie. And right. It's not really crucial to the plot necessarily. It kind of is. It's crucial to his character. Like it's, it's not not essential. The issue with the Eternals broadly is there's just so many characters. There's not enough attention yeah. paid to anything really in the film. We we can't get into the Eternals. No. But anyway, it's canonical queer representation, but again, like, it's not the main focus. Really, what I think people want is a gay rom-com, which, to be fair, I would love. Yes. I think, (laughs) you know, we're going to talk through a couple of remaining examples. I think the issue is we're not seeing, like, people fall in love who are queer, right? You want to have that whole journey of a story. Oh, I have the anticipation. And are they going to kiss? And are they going to fall in love? And and all that stuff. And so just having this be an established relationship is not from a story perspective what people want. But from a representation perspective, and I think that the actor, particularly the actor who plays Fastos' husband, said it was really important to him to be in this film. And like, yeah, a lot of people are going to see it. And again, there's no question. These are two men in a romantic relationship together. And two men of color, too, which is Mm -hmm. really nice. 
Absolutely. So the next example is in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That movie introduces a character named America Chavez, who I believe in the comics is also canonically queer. But at least in the movie, she has two moms. And so Uh there's a flashback scene where she talks about what happened with her and her two moms. And there is the implication she might be queer as well because she's wearing a rainbow pin throughout. That's very weak. That is incredibly weak, especially when you have two moms, because it would be a really normal thing for you to do to wear a rainbow pin. But the two moms. Yeah, that's canon. canon. And where this becomes interesting is, we didn't explicitly say this, but part of the Disney issue with queer representation across all of their many properties has been because various other countries that they want to be able to play those movies in will not show the movies if they have queer characters in them. So it seems like Historically, mostly what Disney had done was just not have queer characters, which really solves the problem for you. And then there was sort of like a middle period where if they did have a queer character, it would be in like a scene that you could cut out. And then when you played that movie somewhere else, you would just remove that scene from Mm -hmm. the cut that played there, which also people didn't love, understandably. And so what's interesting about this Doctor Strange thing with her and the two moms is a few different film boards of other countries reviewed the movie and asked Disney to cut out that scene and Disney refused. Yeah. Which is cool. So the movie ended up not showing in various countries that had a problem with the two moms scene, which is potentially progress for Disney. It's certainly progress. Is it good enough? I'm not answering Uh, that question, but it's progress. (laughs) Yeah. We like progress. Yes. Now, I don't know if this is progress or a step backwards or what. I don't know what to think about (laughs) Thor, Love and Thunder. Right, which we should say neither of us have seen. Yes. So again, as we mentioned with Thor Ragnarok, people were psyched about Taika. People were psyched about the canonically in comic books bisexual Valkyrie Mm -hmm. and the potential for representation there. I think that was sort of compounded with this next Thor movie that Taika was directing and they'd been talking up for a while and Tessa Thompson who plays Valkyrie and who is queer in real life a few years before this movie came out when asked about what was going to happen with her character in the next Thor she said first of all as a new king she needs to find her queen so that will be the first order of business so like for some time people have been getting real psyched about how potentially queer this new Thor movie was going to be and then in the lead up to its release They were at another event where I think Taika was asked, how gay is the movie? And he was like, well, tell him, Natalie Portman. And Natalie Portman was like, it's so gay. (laughs) So (laughs) then the movie came out and people were kind of underwhelmed by how gay it was. Yeah. So from what we've read, what is in the movie is potentially a scene where Tessa Thompson makes eyes at a lady. Yeah. And a scene where she kisses a lady's hand. Yes. And then Korg, the the rock character who is voiced by Taika Waititi, says that all of his species are male. And so he has two dads. And then at the end of the movie, it shows him holding hands with another male. Yeah. Well, and he says that the way that the, they reproduce is that the two rock guys hold hands over molten lava. And that's how they make a new rock Baby. person. <laughs> Uh, There also is a conversation between Korg and Valkyrie where he says that she is sad because of her dead girlfriend. Like they do explicitly say in the movie something about her dead girlfriend, which is that's kind of a return to the Joe Russo representation. (laughs) It's like, I am gay and my love is dead. And you're like, wow, great. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) So, yeah, it's not great. Again, I think what people want to see is a gay main character have a love interest who they go on a journey with right or potentially valkyrie finding her queen sure if that That had been like a main quest of the movie that that would be a similar thing and so yeah yeah, what we've gotten to date right is a couple of gay characters who are already in a relationship and yeah i think that's just not what people are craving as much yeah I mean, Marvel is not known for being like so romance forward, right? It's not like every movie has like this person has a romantic interest that they get together with. Sure. But most of the male characters have a love interest. 
Yes. Even though it's not like a main point of the movie, you still have, say, in like the Guardians movies, right? There's the running thread of the will they or won't they of Star-Lord and Gamora. (laughs) Right. I was like, you know him? And I am really struggling to come up with Gamora's name. But that's a main element of their relationship, right? It's not a main plot point of the movies, but it does run through them. And you could easily have something like that with a couple of queer characters in one of your series, right? I mean, it's not a main plot point, but it's important for both of their character development. Exactly. I think think the only... I'm trying to think of all the films. I think that the only film where a character doesn't have a love interest is actually Captain Marvel. I don't think she has a love interest. Except that that she... That's because she's already with Maria. I'm not saying that's not happening. I'm just saying overtly, (laughs) right? Like, there's not a guy that she's... Well, it's because they're women, right? Like, if that movie had been about two men who had this friendship that was this close and were raising a child together, they would have thrown in a female love interest so that you wouldn't... Don't be suspicious, (laughs) right? Like, so that you would be like, well, at least he has this love interest that none of us care about. Yeah. But I think people are willing to be like, well, they're women. They're just friends. Right. They're gal pals. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think all of the the male leads, Captain America, yes. Yep. Iron Man, yes. Yep. Thor, yes. Yeah. Ant-Man, yeah. Who else we got? A Doctor Strange. Yeah, and he has terrible chemistry with, with uh, Rachel McAdams. Oh, I was like, I can't even remember who the love interest is in that. Spider-Man? Yep. Yeah, everybody gets a love interest. And Except you get a love Captain interest. Except Marvel. You get a love interest. Wanda and Vision? He's a robot. <laughs> That's true, Vision has a love interest. Captain Marvel's an interesting one because... It sort of rests on it being about, like, fuck all these men that have tried to control me, which is like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Love it. Great. But but for them, that meant, well, then she can't have a love interest, right? Because it's about her being like, men keep trying to control me. But she could have a love interest if it's her friend Maria. It's true. <laughs> it's like T'Challa has a love interest in the Black Panther. Yep. 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 Yep, yep. Yep. And though Lupita Nyong'o disappears during the big events yeah that's worry, true don't worry about it don't know where she is let's not think about it interestingly what about falcon and winter soldier they do send bucky on a date but i don't think sam has a love interest in that the sidekicks often don't have love interests but that's what i'm saying they're not the sidekicks in that show i know but i'm just saying generally that those are the only yeah. other people i can think of like yeah wong doesn't have, well wong kind of has a love has a love interest in multiverse of madness like subtly subtly (laughs) anyway uh, to our point love interests abound yes in this these series even if the movies are not rom-coms as i was jokingly but not so jokingly asking for they do all have love interests so give us some queer folks with with will they or won't they type relationships with their co-stars in the films you know none of the female well no ms marvel sort of has a love interest and she has a lot of love interests actually never mind well she's a teenager she has a lot going on (laughs) kate bishop who's the new hawkeye doesn't have a love interest that's true but it's more of a father daughter type relationship going on just trying to think of what's happening with all the ladies who are potentially leads what about black widow oh all of her love that's that's a mess Yep, it's bad. I won't say that they're great at handling their female characters, but it is what it is. So that's the timeline. I'm encouraged that it feels like Disney is starting to finally potentially not be willing to cut out their queer characters from their movies. Uh, I'm just excited they're ignoring Saudi demands broadly. Truly. Let's (laughs) Let's all ignore Saudi demands. But it's not just Saudi Arabia. This is a huge thing with China. That's the main conversation you hear is that obviously the Chinese market is huge. Everybody wants to play their movies in China because there are so many people there to watch them. So maybe progress, but never as quickly as any of us would like. So let's see how they continue to do this. Because obviously, if they continue to say this, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. People are coming. There's going to be new characters that are queer. Old characters will also be queer which i guess is what they met with valkyrie uh, i don't know or loki or loki maybe they met loki but let's just keep hammering away at them folks yeah and maybe we'll That's make we some progress so do we need to oh this is a funny one for this do we need to gender swap them <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, Loki and Mobius? It would be Loki and Mobius is the thing. I mean, yeah, I guess we can. 
I don't think it helps with the existence of Sylvie. No. You know, the thing standing in between Loki and Mobius is always going to be another Loki, <laughs> given the structure of this That's true. show. That's very true. What if we gender swap both Mobius and Sylvie? Oh. And then he's got a potential female interest and another version of himself, but that version of himself is male. So obviously they're leaning against I just think it's that. a much more interesting story if he falls in love with his male self, because it's like, well... You really made that choice, Marvel. Well, that's what's good about it. It's like, if you really want to make the choice that he's going to fall in love with himself, mm-hmm. make it himself, man. Make that be exactly you're gonna what be you're Tom doing. Tom Hiddleston, dual role. <laughs> exactly. But maybe he's just two inches taller. That's the that's the variation. I would love that. <laughs> it's delightful. Just a slightly taller Loki. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, in this case, I don't know that anything's going to make them not make Loki fall in love with Loki since that was their whole point. Yeah. Just sucks it had to be a girl Loki for it to happen. Make it a guy, Loki, you cowards. Make it Richard E. Grant. God, that would have been the best. He's great. (laughs) I love Richard E. Grant. So let's ask the question because I love the question. Is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? Well, Loki's bisexuality is canon. The yep. Loki Mobius relationship. I don't I don't know. I don't know that there actually really is a ton there for me. Like mm-hmm. if they are just friends, I'm chill with that. I think that the only piece of evidence that I'm like, ooh, this is like a lot, is he's a little too jealous of Sylvie. He's when Loki really jealous back. of Sylvie. <laughs> That's the main part of their dynamic that to me feels like queer baiting otherwise i don't know that there's like a ton of romantic tropes in their relationship so yeah i mean it is an interesting one because there is an element of queer canon to it quite clearly but i won't be satisfied until he kisses a boy well that's the thing that's the real baiting of it is the he's queer but you're never gonna see it (laughs) (laughs) we're telling you he's queer but don't expect it to happen on screen yeah and you're like, okay. So that's the if part that is. This is a boy in season two, though. Yeah, even if that boy is not Mobius. I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, we'll all be all right. Hopefully that boy um, is Richard E. Grant. Did he die? It seems like probably. It was a very, like, self-sacrifice-y kind of thing happening at the end. But, lo- um, but Loki's our survivors. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he does. I mean, maybe they part of what they do is go and rescue all those people from the end of time because oh, yeah. they need them in their fight with the many, many Jonathan Majorses. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot going on here. There's queer canon, but I definitely think there is queer baiting. But I don't know that that queer baiting is exclusively about Loki and Mobius. So why isn't the Loki Mobius part canon, I guess, is the question. Or why isn't the him explicitly doing something queer on screen part canon? That's a question. Cowardice cowardice and greed although not as much because like maybe now they would have just not shown it somewhere else yeah i don't actually know what is disney plus airing in china i don't know i don't know how the streaming works in foreign markets so yeah cowardice let queer loki kiss a dude how do we feel about the queer baiting on a scale of one to five with five being unrepentant malicious queer baiting and one being I don't know what these fans are talking about. Again, for me, I think the issue is not so much the Loki Mobius of it all. It's yes. the Loki saying I'm bisexual and then following it up by kissing a lady. Lady him. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the problem for me. And it's not the Loki Mobius. Loki Mobius can exist and not be romantic. That's fine. But yeah, the the Loki, I'm queer, but I only kiss women. <laughs> Part of it, yeah, I think is a four. Oh boy, Loki. I can't wait to see if they do something good or bad in season two in reaction to everyone's reaction. We will find out, presumably. What if they introduce more women for him to kiss? No! <laughs> They're like, people didn't like him falling in love with himself, but here, a bunch of other women. No. <laughs> There's an endless amount of women. Every episode, he's just going in different time streams and kissing just all kinds of women. And that's the whole show. And you're like, this is really aggressive, Disney. I don't like this at all, Disney. Why have you done this? All right. Well, we'll revisit that whenever it happens. What are we talking about next time? Yeah. So again, right? New schedule. This will be in about two months from the release Mm -hmm. of this episode. We are going to be talking about Top Gun. This was a listener suggestion. So yay. Thank you. 
We love listener suggestions. I think we're both going to be talking about the original Top Gun and the new Top Gun. Topical. Kind of. <laughs> it came out this year. <laughs> yeah. In November, it will still have come out this year. We're on a delayed schedule with our recording. But yeah, that should be a fun one because the Top Gear original. No, not Top uh, Gear. Top Gear. Top Gear. Top Gear. For God's sake. Top Gun, the original, has some pretty iconic, you know, gayness in it. Right. (laughs) So excited. It's something we didn't talk about in our 80s action movie episode. I think because they weren't buddy copy enough. It was like a different genre. But kind of could have. Like similar vibes. (laughs) Yep. So if you listened to that and liked it, get ready for more 80s queer baiting or coding or whatever we'll see more 80s sweaty muscular men oh they're so sweaty and so muscular and so on a beach get ready in the meantime if you have questions comments concerns if you have things to share if you have ideas for more episodes send them our way at ltbkpod at gmail.com find us on twitter and tumblr at ltbkpod if you're enjoying the podcast tell a friend subscribe leave us a review all of that is great new episodes come out every other month the next one will be released this november 